You're listening to Radio Diaries. This is Joe. And I'm excited to tell you about the newest show in the Radiotopia family. It's called The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. I'm sure a lot of you listen to podcasts while cooking. Well, The Recipe is the podcast that will teach you how to be a better cook with tips from two seasoned pros, pun intended. Hosted by Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Walk and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen, The Recipe not only lets you learn new recipes, but also teaches you techniques and secret ingredients that'll up your cooking from just okay to restaurant quality. So welcome them to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb right now, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Radio Diaries has support from Indeed. Instead of spending weeks searching for talent, Indeed matches you with quality candidates that fit your job description. Plus, you can connect with candidates faster by scheduling interviews, screening, and messaging them all in one platform. To try it out, listeners to this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com diaries. Just go to Indeed.com diaries right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Radio Diaries is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Radio Tokyo. From PRX's Radiotopia, this is Radio Diaries. I'm Joe Richmond. So hanging on the wall by my desk here in Brooklyn, I have an old tape reel. I've had it for 20 years. Here it is. Now, I know you can't see it, and I know this because I am a radio professional. But 20 years ago, if you were a radio professional, this is what you would have used to edit your radio story. This, quarter-inch tape, and a razor blade. When you had a sentence you wanted to edit out, you would literally cut it out with the razor blade, and then you'd attach the two ends back together with splicing tape. And if you wanted to put that sentence somewhere else in the story, you'd tape it to the wall for a moment, or you'd hang it around your neck, and then you'd roll over it with the wheels of your chair, and it would get tangled up. So it seems totally insane now. But this is how I edited our very first radio diary, and with this actual reel right here in my hand. On the label, it says Teenage Diary, Amanda Elements. You're going to meet Amanda in a moment. But first, this is all a very long way to tell you something. It's our birthday. And we're celebrating. Radio Diaries was born 20 years ago this month. And it all started in April 1996 with a series called Teenage Diaries on NPR. I gave tape recorders to a group of young people around the country and asked them to report on their own lives. Hello? Nope, wrong button. There. Hello? Oh, let me do the introduction now. Hi, my name is Josh. My name is Amanda. My name is Melissa Rodriguez. Hi, my name is Frankie, and I'm going to give you a little tour on my Cadillac here. Yeah, I am. My name is Juan, and I'm here in the U.S. It's my radio show, thank you. Today on our podcast, Teenage Diaries Revisited. And in our studio, we have a surprise guest. Hi, it's Amanda. Amanda Brand from Queens. Amanda, you were the very first 
diarist, the very first teenage diarist, the first person that I ever worked with to give a tape recorder to. Amanda, let me just uh, get you to talk a little bit about what you did. Yeah. So my story basically is about me and my relationship with my parents at the time when I was coming out and kind of struggling with being an openly gay teenager. Now we're going to hear later on some of your new diary tape where you actually go back and talk to your parents once again. That'll be coming up later. But first, let me just have you introduce your teenage diary. Yeah. So this is Amanda Brand and this is my diary. Enjoy. We're fiending. <laughs> okay. Open up that door, girls. We need a light. Unless you got one. What about your mom? What about us? Give that rotten cigarette. Oh, man, I, I know it's rotten. Who has that cigarette? Me. Give it to me. My name is Amanda, and uh, I'm 17 years old. I live in Queens. Is it bad? <laughs> oh yes. Let me try it. Let me try it. Oh. God. Fridays and Saturday nights, we just drive around like a bunch of low lives looking for things to do. Who are these people? Anybody you know? No. No. People think I'm a little on the weird side, but I don't think I'm on the weird side. Basically, I, I wear like a cross between skater clothes and like industrial gothic style. I think it's a neat combination. My parents think I should dress more feminine, but what do they know, right? They grew up back in ancient times. 11.58, and we still haven't found something to do. We're getting kind of desperate. Yeah. I guess in a way, I always known that I was bisexual. Just like when I was in the first grade and I used to live like in my old house down on my grandmother's block now, all the kids used to be friends and we always used to go into um, the backyards and like play these little games. And I remember one day we were playing um, a game. It was kind of like Sleeping Beauty where like the prettiest girl on the block fell asleep on her picnic bench and, uh, you know, somebody had to go and like wake her up to like kiss her and revive her. And it would always be, you know, one of the boys. And I always felt like, like I I wanted to go and revive her. Rotary phone. Dawn, what you doing? Been going out with Dawn for two years and five months now. We've known each other for practically three years, and I am totally madly head over heels in love with her. I'll probably come and get you after I'm done, okay? All right. Bye-bye. And I go see my little baby, my girlfriend. I didn't get a chance to describe her yet, so I'm going to do it now. She has long black hair that goes down to around the, the middle of her back. She has brown eyes. You know how they always say that there's one particular thing that, that uh, attracts you to somebody, one thing that stands out that you can grab onto and just be totally attracted to that person. And about Dawn is it's her voice. You could just you could fall in love with her just by just by listening to her voice. Yeah. 
That's my mother making coffee. During the school week, it's pretty much boring around my house. It's a Tuesday night and the television's on. Everybody just sits around and does their homework. You know, regular family life. I mean, at least for me. I don't know too much about other families. Excuse me. I burp like a fanatic. My mother's always yelling at me. How are you supposed to find a man? There we go again. How are we supposed to find a man? I tell her, I'm like, I'm not interested in men, you know? And she just like, she's like, all right, whatever. My parents, my parents know that I'm, that I'm bisexual, but they don't talk about it much. You know, my father, my father doesn't really talk much at all. My mother, on the other hand, when, we, when I first told her, and uh, she reacted totally crazy. It was all against my growing up beliefs. Anyone who was gay or lesbian was considered sick. Sick. Wasn't accepted in the Catholic Church at all. It just, it wasn't accepted. So I've grown up with that concept all my life. So they hear that you're, that's you. Wouldn't that blow your mind? But I mean, now in like the 20th century where it's like really common to hear that somebody's gay and it's like all over the place. Well, I think they're trying to make it common, but it shouldn't be common. It's not natural. And I mentioned that to you several times. That is not what God intended. I know in today's world you hear all kinds of TV programs saying, oh, this is it, that's it. That still doesn't make it right. It does. It makes it right if you feel, you don't know this, but how come when I was, like, younger, I felt this way? All girls feel that way. Since I was in first grade? Yes. Little girls feel that way all the time. You felt that way, too? Yes. Yes. That, that's common. How do you feel about it, Dad? About what? How do you feel about me? Fine. What about it? Sexuality-wise. Well, you're you're 17 years old. You're you're not definite. You're not formed in your ways. Someone at 17 does not know what is at the other end of the line. Anybody? How do you know? <laughs> There's just not enough life that you've seen. You haven't seen enough. You haven't done enough. You have not lived. Well, over two years and then uh, five months have gone by, and I that's think what I believe. I think if a good fella came by and really treated you right, your mind will switch. My mind will switch. So it's, it's all in my mind. It is. It's all in your mind right now. You but, just don't say, well, this is how I feel, and this is how I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I'm not saying that's how I'm going to be for the rest of my life, and I'm not saying that I'm not going to have sex with a guy. I'm saying that I do. I want to go and have sex with a guy. It's not happened yet. I hope not. No, it's not. But, I, I mean, I'm going to. I'm not going to, like, deny myself of well, that. Well, that's, that's why I said don't deny yourself of that. And you may find, when you do that, that your whole outlook may change. <laughs> it's just not like, oh, this is somebody's decision. This They don't really know what they want right now. There's guy. I mean, I've been out with guys while I've been going out with Dawn. Dawn's been out with guys while she's been going out with me. I mean, we, we're so, like, we're really close. And there's like a love there. 
more for me towards her than her towards me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we're with each other, you know? Well, maybe that's just a good friendship. You love friends. Yeah, but I don't do what I do with Dawn with friends. Do you know what I mean? You don't do what you do with dad with friends, you know? My parents just think that this is like a phase. Like when, you know, the guys used to get earrings or when they used to wear ponytails when I was little. That was a phase to them. They think that this is a phase, but I don't think it's a phase. I think this is me. I don't know what to say. That's how I feel. And it doesn't really bother me. It doesn't bother me. Oh, is this this? Oh, I love this song. Do you see the video? Yes. The video's cool, too. No matter what anybody is, I don't care. I don't care if you're like half horse, half fish. You're proud of what you are, you know? My parents don't dislike me. They just don't agree with me. They just don't think that it's natural, which I, I understand. You know, I see their point. They grew up in a totally different time, and that's fine, but they're getting used to it, you know, and they're going to have to get used to it because pretty soon when I bring my wife over to their house to eat dinner, you know, with my kids, they're just going to be like, okay, fine, you know? That's how it's going to be. Amanda, tell me about listening to that again after all these years. Again, it makes me cry. Actually, now I'm, I'm starting to realize it's not my mother's reaction. It's my reaction. When you start to hear, like at the beginning, um, okay, like I'm battling it. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking up for myself. But there's one point where I lose it. You can hear it in my voice. And that makes me lose it. It's like, where'd that strength go? You know, like get back up and do, like fight. Because you know you're right. That's it. When I hear your story, one thing I think about is, you know, on one level you hear your mom having such a hard time with you and being gay and struggling with it. But the other side of that is I hear her as participating in this story and in this conversation and letting you participate in it. And I remember too after the story how supportive she was. And I think like, wow, she didn't agree, but she was still right there with you on some level, you know. Yeah, because that woman loves me to death. She really does. She proves it every day. So, you know, it's not the words that come out of her mouth because her actions prove so much different than, you know, what she says. It just shows who she really is as a person, you know, like Catholic Church, Schmatholic Church, you know, she, <laughs> she, you know, regardless, she loves us and loves me. And that's all that matters to me. And so you went back just recently and you played it for her. And you guys sat around and you listened, you and your mom and your dad. What was that like? It was it was comfortable, you know, just knowing who she is now. And then we went on to have 
I feel like it was a great conversation. I feel like it was a great kind of cleansing and, and uh, healing of just a question and answer of like, why do you think you felt that way? Well, we're going to hear that conversation in just a minute. Um, but I just want to ask you, like looking back at the teenage you, what's that like? Who do you see? I see a lot of me still. I definitely see, you know, a person who is strong, who is confident, who is fun, you know, who is silly, who could be mistaken for a bit of a bully, just like, you know, not caring about what other people think and kind of being very, you know, whatever. But um, I still see all of those same characteristics in me today, but I see a like a softer me, a more well-rounded person. I see an adult, you know, basically. So that person's still there. All right, I'm just going to record. Dad, give us a little bit of something. This is a test of the recording to see if it records at a good volume. And Mom, give us a little something. For our Teenage Diaries Revisited series, Amanda interviewed her parents again in that same house in Queens, in that very same room where she talked to them many years earlier. Do you still think it's a phase? (laughs) We know it's not a phase. But it did take me a few years to accept the whole thing. Well... One of the reasons why I have a little bit of a hard time listening to the story from before is because I feel that even though you love me unconditionally and you always have, there was that little sting of you're sick, you're not normal. It just, it kind of hurts to hear that. You know, we we were brought up being taught differently, but I think we as a family have really evolved Everything is changing. I mean, you can even see it in television programs and movies, and it's such an accepted thing, and it's a good thing, because now I, I see your side. You see, you have the personality to be kind of pushing the limits, whereas my personality is work within the system as it exists. So I think that the evolution came about because of people like you who were pushing the edge and allowing people like me to grow from within. Right. But like, so now, does it make you nervous in any way? Not at all. Matter of fact, I am so proud of you that I just brag about you to my friends. And and I say, she's gay, you know. And that's fine. That's a good answer. (laughs) That makes me sad. Like, in a good way. But, no, that's really nice to hear. You know, we hope you continue to be happy and that you find companionship. And that's what we're looking forward to. That sure is talking a lot more than he did. (laughs) I know. What a turnaround. What are the people going to say? Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you for opening our eyes. Aww. That was nice. Oh, I want. I need to sign off. I mean, this is Amanda Brand. Kathy and Al are my parents. Awesome people. Supportive. Loving. Religious. And it's all good. So, uh, Amanda, signing out. Thank you to Amanda for carrying around a very heavy cassette tape recorder 20 years ago and for being our very first diarist. A quick update on Amanda. She has a new girlfriend who has two kids, and next month they're all moving in together into a big house outside New York City. Amanda told me they're looking forward to a slower-paced life. 
If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know that we've been going back to a few of our past diarists and working with them to do new stories about their lives now. There's still a bunch out there. There's Nick, the cellist from Salt Lake City who dropped out of high school. There's Christelle, who was incarcerated as a teenager for slashing a classmate. And Clarissa Shields, the teen boxer from Flint who went on to win an Olympic gold medal. You can go to our website, radiodiaries.org, to listen to all the diaries. We'll also have a brand new diary coming in a few weeks. I'm not going to say too much now, but it's a really special story. We've been working on it for two years. You won't want to miss it. If you heard our last episode, The Man in the Zoo, and you want to know more about Odebengo's life, you should check out the book Spectacle by Pamela Newkirk. She's done an incredible amount of research into the story, and Spectacle is a fascinating read. The Radio Diaries podcast is produced by Sarah Kate Kramer with help from Nellie Gillis, and we couldn't do what we do without our editors, Deborah George and Ben Shapiro. We have support from MailChimp, The Knight Foundation, and listeners like you. I'm Joe Richman. Thanks for listening. Radiotopia. Radiotopia.